it's so good to be part of what God is doing. And to be alive and just to be part of what God is doing. And that's what I want to challenge you this morning. That you are not a mistake. That you're not a failure. That God has a purpose for your life. And there's great things that God wants to do with your life. And God is about to do even bigger things through you and through us. And even through us as a church in reaching out to the whole world and being part of what God is doing. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Isaiah. I love Isaiah and I've been reading Isaiah lately uh, because I think Isaiah resonates with me about some of the things that the guy is going through. Uh, and I think with also what I'm going through in my own personal life. And I, you know, so I love Brother Isaiah. Uh, I'm calling him Brother Isaiah so that I can relate to some of his stories and things that he's going through. But in Isaiah 43, chapter 43, if you go there with me, and you guys are going to see it in your screen. It doesn't matter what version you have. But let's go to the one on the screen that you can read. And can we read it together? It says what? Excuse me? Excuse me? What does it say? When? When? You know, when the Word of God uses a, a but now, it literally changes the, everything. Uh, how many of you guys have ever come start a conversation to somebody and say, but now, Brother Allen, you know, what's going on? <laughs> have you ever started a question by, but now? No, isn't it? It's because there is a reason why that, they, why that but now is there. And God is saying to you, you know, with all the things that you've gone through in your own personal life, and with all the things that are going on right now, but now I'm coming into your situation. But now I'm coming into your environment. But now I'm coming into Jerusalem. You know, it being a Palm Sunday and also, I mean, Jesus Christ also we're talking about Passover tomorrow. I mean, and we're celebrating Passover and Easter together, you know, on the calendar. And it's so amazing. And God is saying, but now I'm taking over. But now I'm coming into your situation. But now thou says the Lord. That created you. In other words, God is the one who created you or Jacob. When you look at the word that says, But now thou says the Lord who created you, Jacob. I've, I've got to realize you. I relate to Jacob. I mean, I was, I mean, I mean, my life as I was growing up, just like the middle guy, nobody cares about me. Nobody wants to even give me attention. And so I, I think I became like a Jacob in my life. And maybe there's a lot of Jacobs out there too who can relate to me. Uh, and Jacob, you know, nobody was there for you. And he, Jacob starts creating, scheming things and doing things so that he can be seen by his brothers. And Jacob, when you look at Jacob's life, <laughs> You don't even think anything good is going to come out of this brother. Because, I mean, the guy had a lot of past history. And a lot of us, we have a lot of issues that we're dealing with in our past. I mean, there's a lot of things that we've been doing and running away from God and running away from our responsibility and running away from what God is trying to do. We became like Jacob. But in the midst of all that, God says, I created you. Oh, I love this God. 
even with our past, I love what the Bible says, while we were still sinners, he died for us. I mean, while we were still in our sin, he created us, he formed you, and he knows you by name. In other words, he's a personal God who wants to change my character and change my past so that he can use me for his glory. And listen to what he says. Let's all read it together. But now, that says the Lord, that created you, O Jacob, and he that what? Formed you. I love this here. In other words, God is coming out from creating you to forming you into something that he wants you to, to be. In other words, God will not use you in your past. God wants to use you after he transforms you through the power of the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once we've been transformed, and that's why I like he says, I have formed you now, O Israel. In other words, God takes Jacob from a deceiver, somebody who was a loser, somebody who did not have a you know, future, and then he forms him to become Israel. Oh, now listen to this. The process of transformation only happens by what Jesus did on the cross for us. Not what I can do or what anybody else did, but what Jesus Christ did. And then when he was on the cross, he says, Father, it is finished. In other words, it's done. In other words, I'm no longer Jacob, but he has now formed me to become what? Israel. God is talking to the same person. But he's talking to the same person on different positions. Oh, um, he did not hear what I said. When we were in the past, when he's dealing with me as Jacob, he deals with me completely different. As a deceiver, as a liar. But now when he's formed me to become Israel, to become his child. In other words, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who have been washed by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, that the past has nothing to do with you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Behold, all things have what? Passed away and everything has become what? New. And that's why he says, Oh Israel, fear not, for I have what? redeemed you. I want you to mark those words. The first word is, I created you. And that's why the Bible says we were created in the image of God and in the likeness of God so that we can be formed or we can be transformed to become what God wants us to be so that he can redeem us. Oh, I love this. You know, that he has redeemed us. Uh, now, the secret is we are in Christ Jesus I am in Christ Jesus, and Jesus is in me. Did you hear what I said? Where are you? And where is Christ? So where are you? In other words, we are in Christ Jesus, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are now hidden in Him, given the power through the same power of resurrection. And that's why it says, I have redeemed you, and not only redeemed you, but I have what? Called you by what? What's your name? 
Oh, Israel, that's right. And I know some of you, maybe you're going to say Jennifer or John or Mary or something. No, 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 no. You are a new creation. You're a new nation. We are a new kingdom. You know, it started, I started getting excited because I used to think I'm working for a denomination or for a church and not realize I'm literally working for the nation. So I go to places sometimes for meetings, executive meetings. And I come in there and there and I say, man, I am the representation of the nation of Israel. Ah, you did not hear what I said. I don't go there as a burger. I'm not begging. I'm not looking for anything. I go there representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Yeshua, Jesus Christ, our Lord, He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's time we change our position from being Jacob's to become Israel. When I go to board meetings, I don't negotiate as a, as a loser, as Jacob. I don't go in there saying, you know, what's my position? I know, already know my position. If he is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm going to go through there. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Nothing is going to happen to you. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Christians become so timid by becoming, we don't know who we are. We are royal people, holy, chosen by God, redeemed and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to walk in the power of his resurrection life. Stop complaining about what's happening around you. And start focusing on what he's doing through you. How? Did you hear what I said? I, I mean, I get people who complain every day and complain about everything, complain about the weather, complain about the traffic. I'm like, can you do something about it? Because you represent Israel. You represent the King of Kings. You represent the Lord of Lords. You are the solution to the problems in your family. Some of you, I know you're going through some difficult times right now. Some of you might be in the middle of a divorce. Some of you might be in the middle of being abandoned and not knowing what's going on in your own personal life. You might even be wondering what is God doing in this nation. I want to encourage you. Let's go to the next, to the next, to the next verse. It says now, you know what? When you pass through the what? The waters, I will not, I, so I will be what? With you. And even when you go through the river, they shall not what? Overflow you. I am so excited that the problems of the United States of America have nothing to do with you. And a lot of us, we spend a lot of time just worried about what's going on around the world and what's going on. In, and, and God says, you know, even though you go through the waters, you're not going to drown. <laughs> I remember trying to teach my kids how to swim. I mean, I, I, they thought they were drowning. But the more that they started knowing how to swim, they started using the elements that were there to their advantage. Oh, let me just encourage you. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you go through trials and testings, because this is going to help you in your character, and your character is going to produce hope. And hope is going to, you know, your character is going to produce perseverance, and perseverance is going to produce what? Hope. I have hope in this world. I have hope in what's going on in Africa. 
I have hope in what's going on in this nation that you are the solution to the problems of America. Wow. Even though you pass through the waters, I'll be with you and you will not drown. Okay, I love the elements of the water. We're going to overcome the water. It says now, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. <laughs> I don't like going through fire, to be honest with you. In my country right now, 90% of the population is unemployed. I said 90% of the whole country does not have work. Even though we go through fire. I want to encourage you. The more that I was going through fire and the more that we're going through difficult times, I am seeing greater opportunities for us to rise up all Israel or rise up the kingdom of God in the darkness of what's going on in Zimbabwe. Zimbabweans are coming to the Lord like never before. I heard of the tribe, that whole tribe and the chief, the lumber people, they all came to Jesus Christ because of our hardship. And they now know Jesus Christ. People are coming to our Lord Jesus Christ because of what they're going through. It's because Christians are now coming in and saying, you know what? We are the solution to the problems that are going on in Zimbabwe. You are the solution to what's going on in your community. Though you go through those fires. Maybe some of you are going through fires. You're going through personal problems right now. I want to encourage you in the Lord. There's a song that we just talked, you know, singing that's, you know, if you hold on to him, the light is coming. If you keep holding on to him, revival is coming. And I want to encourage you today that you're not lost. Let's go to verse 18. Verse 18, quickly. Are you there with me? Say to your, to your neighbor, say to your neighbor, new things are coming. New things are coming. Amen. Now listen to what he says. He says, do not remember the former things. In other words, the other versions says, you know, do, you know, forget the former things and do not dwell in the past. I say, do not dwell in the past. Past mistakes and past failures are not your destiny. It's not your destination. Your middle name is not failure. Your middle name is not past. That's why the Bible says that everything, when we come to Jesus Christ, behold, everything becomes what? New. I went into the Greek Septuagint and went into the Greek word to study about the word new. I wanted to find out what is this creature that has come to be me now? <laughs> because I still, I mean, I still have my past. And to be honest with you, I have a, I mean, I have a past history. But God does not look at my past. He looks at me and sees the blood of Jesus over my life. Ooh, I'm, I'm so excited. You know, the word new in the Greek or in the Hebrew or in the whatever Latin still means new. In other words, it has never changed. It's not going to change. Still means what? New. Tell your neighbor you're a new creation. You're a new creation. In other words, he says, forget the past and do not dwell in the past. You know, sometimes when we dwell in the past, we see ourselves as failures. I see my marriages failed. I see my children going astray. I see things. I see maybe some of you were millionaires before. <laughs> you lost everything. And you thought, oh man, I'm a failure. Or maybe you tried businesses or you tried, you know, falling in love. It didn't work. It, it doesn't matter. 
Because God has created you and he has formed you and he has redeemed you. And he says, forget the former things. Do not consider the things of the old. Do not hold on to the past. You know why we, what, what, what happens when you hold us to the past? We become the slaves of those things of the past. We continue to stop existing because the past is holding me. I mean, let me just talk about anger. You know, when you continue to be angry about some things that have happened, I'm not talking about that it might have been your responsibility. It might be, have been somebody doing things to you. But if I continue to be angry with them, guess who is in prison? <laughs> you are. And maybe they even when they see you, they are laughing and they're already going on. They already forgot about it. But you're still saying, man, I'm not going to forgive them for what that they did to me. They don't understand the pain. And God still says, you know, there's a song that we just sang right now. All my pain and my fears, he has taken them on the cross. And Jesus Christ paid the price for all that in the past. I'm a new creation. And that's why he says, forget the former things. Now, what does he say? Let's go on to the next verse. Let's all read it together. A what? Um, behold, I will what? Do a new thing. You know, God's mercies are new every morning and he's looking every day in my life to do a new thing for me and not what he did yesterday because I'm looking for something new every morning. It gives me reason to rejoice even in the midst of our crisis in Zimbabwe. I get up in the morning. You know, we used to live in a very beautiful neighborhood. And God said to me, I needed to move to live among the people. And I said, uh, Lord. No, I, I did not sign for this thing, you know. My security is very important, you know. Because you know what? I was talking about the people suffering and what the people are going through. And yet, I was living in the most comfortable place. And I said, God, you know, you're taking me to go right to live with these people? And God says, yes. And to be honest with you, I am the most happiest guy living among the poor of the poorest. And I am enjoying life every morning. When I get up in the morning, I get so excited because I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'll be glad and rejoice in it. And I'm not going to allow enemy to try to destroy this new day that I have. There are others who did not make it, by the way. And I'm so thankful that God has allowed me to be here. So I need to find out why is he allowed me to be here? Why has he redeemed me? What's this new thing that God wants to do in your life? And this is where I'm excited that when you start discovering this new thing that God wants to do, it says it's going to spring up. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> And what God is going to do has nothing to do with me, with you. And every morning when I get up in the morning, God continues to open up things in my life that I, you know, I just an amazing things in every day. And I pray that your life gets so exciting. You know, some of us have boring lives. We get up, we eat, and we go to sleep. We pray, we cry, we go back to sleep. Get up, we eat, we pray, we say, I don't mind. Man, there's more to life than just getting up in the morning and eating and going to sleep. Is that why we're here? And I 
get so excited that there's life out there. And the life that he has given me in, you know, when you look at Jacob, when they changed his name, God gave him tribes. Huh? Oh, did you hear what I said? I am praying that you realize that what's going to spring out of you, it's going to impact nations. It's going to impact other people in your life. It's going to impact your children. For some of you, your children are going to start seeing a revival through you. In your, I mean, if you've never experienced love, for example, why don't you just start loving yourself? Or, or just start giving yourself that love. I mean, instead of me waiting, everybody, nobody loves me around here. Nobody does anything about it. I, and I get so excited and say, Lord, who, who are my enemies today? And I pray for my enemies, by the way. Hello? This last year, God has changed my attitude. And I know that I'm Israel. Hallelujah. I know that I represent the King of Kings. I'm like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lion of Judah. <laughs> you are Yahweh, Jehovah, El Shaddai, Adonai. You do it for me. Man, it releases me from that responsibility. That's why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. And pray for those that persecute you. All of a sudden, I started doing that. It works. It works. Seriously, it works. Because when I started doing that, it started helping me. And the other thing that I do is that when I start praying for what's happening in my streets and what's happening in my community, God started giving me ideas to start bringing water to the people because we have a water problem. So I do it. If they don't have food, I start looking where's the food and I bring the food. And if they don't have health, we have a mobile clinic. I get the clinic. I mobilize the people and we do it. One day I was so upset. About somebody who was throwing trash everywhere. And there was a heap of tra- trash. And the kids were playing there. And I started saying, who is doing all this? And the Lord says, what are you doing about it? So I mobilized the community. We're going to clean up. And we went and cleaned it all up. I organized trucks and we all cleaned it up. And the people said, why are you doing that? So I said, I represent Israel. Did you hear what I said? I represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't do it to get paid. I do it because of who I am. And a lot of us, we want what's in it for me. It's never about what's in it for you. It's what's in it for our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, I will even make a way in the wilderness, and the river in the desert. And I want to encourage you, there's a way that the Lord is making in the wilderness. Your life might look as if it's stuck, and that you're not going anywhere. And I'm glad that you are in this church, you're in this ministry, you are surrounded with people that love you, you're surrounded with the community of believers that are praying for you, and God is sending a way out of nowhere. It might look as if where you are, it's impossible. It might look like as if you're dying. It look like as if you're going nowhere. But I want to encourage you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That there is a way out of your situation. And I am so encouraged to let you know that Jesus Christ does not have a plan B. It's already been done. 
He already came and he already died on the cross. And he already is in us. And listen to what he says. He says, you know, I'm making a way out of the wilderness. Even the jackal and all the owls and everything might try to attack you. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Why am I so convinced about this? And why am I speaking with all the confidence and so excited? It's because I personally believe that when we allow ourselves to be at the center of what the Lord is doing. I mean, uh, the, 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 when you are, when you're, there's another word that talks about when your ula is balanced. You start now able to go in where you need to be. But if your life is not where you are at the center, if you're not where God wants you to be, then you're going to miss the blessings that God has. But if you, were, if you are where God wants you to be, God is going to do an awesome job in your life. Now listen to this. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because God wants to bring a personal realization in your life. Personal what? Realization. In other words, he wants to bring a personal realization for you to realize who you are. You need to take a personal realization to say, you know what? I've been redeemed. There's nothing. There. I mean, God, God, you know, there's no weapon that's formed against you that's going to prosper. There's now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I need to come to a place of personal what? Realization. And then when you come to personal realization, you come to a place of personal revelation. When you know who you are, your eyes start opening. Stop fixing everybody around you. Start fixing you. We want to fix the mistakes that other people are doing. But if I start taking personal responsibility for my personal life, I start realizing who I am in Christ Jesus, forgiven and I've received grace. It is by the grace of God that you've been saved, not by yourselves. It's not by works that you can go and inherit life. You're not going to continue bringing and condemning other people and bringing other people down. No, you need to come to a place of personal realization to go into personal what? Revelation. You know, I am happy to live with myself now. You did not hear what I said, did you? I am so happy to live with myself. I know I used to don't like myself. It was look like, I'm, like I have a split personality or something. You know, when things are right, I'm not going, I'm start complaining. Or other, but now I am so happy. I have love, joy, peace. Oh, no, did I say love, joy? I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. And the other day, you know, God just, you know, talking about who I am and realizing the personal revelation about myself. <laughs> I started finding that sometimes I don't even have to say anything. I thought I needed to comment on everything. And God says, that, and sometimes you just don't need to say anything. Just listen. So my wife started saying, is everything okay? So I said, hey, I hear you, honey. And I also started becoming a good listener. Because it's not everybody that I agree with. And it's not everybody that's there to, to stand with me. So I start becoming a good listener. I think sometimes we try to fix everybody around us. And I started finding a definition for that. When you try to fix 
everybody around you and try to fix the problems. You, it's, go, it's called Godship. You try to become God in some people's lives. And when God is trying to become God in your own personal life. Oh. And when I started just releasing them to the Lord, God started just working in my own personal life. Don't expect that somebody else is going to come and fix this problem. No, you are there. God has planted you there. And it's not a mistake that you are in that family. Or some people have tried to change it, you know, their families and try to go somewhere. But guess what? They carry the same problem. It doesn't matter whether you were Joseph there, but when you go here, when you are in Adam, you're going to steal the same problem. So we need to come to a place of personal realization that leads to personal what? Revelation. And then you need to come to a place of personal responsibility. You need to take responsibility for your own life. Personal responsibility. I know that there are other people that might have done things against me. And I'm not responsible for that. But the things that I'm responsible, I need to take responsibility for what I'm responsible for. I need to start saying what is it that the Lord wants me to do and how can I change the world? How can I become part of what's happening in, in, in what God has called me to become? You know, I'm, I love the church in Jerusalem. Uh, you know, and, and, and I hear you guys are going through the book of Acts. How I wish, you know, I think what I'm going to do is just take your notes when, you know, when I'm in Zimbabwe so I can stream in and what you guys are doing here. Because the church there gets me excited. Because the church, as they were young, as they were young in one room and scared and afraid and they forgot what Jesus said and then the boom, the whole power of the Holy Spirit transformed them and Peter stood up. I love what it says. It says Peter stood up. He was not sitting down for the first time. That's where we started having the pulpit. Peter stood up. And then when Peter stood up, he shared the gospel. And to his surprise, thousands came to Jesus Christ. And said, hey, it works. Let's do it again. They do it again. And I want to encourage you, it works. When we take personal responsibility for our own personal lives. I've stopped blaming, but I take personal responsibility. And then the other thing is you come to a place what I want to call personal recognition. Personal recognition. When you start recognizing who you are in the body of Christ, that you are not alone, but that you have others that are around you. And one of the things that God has given me now that I've been learning, especially for the past three years, four years, it's how to recognize and honor other men of God. I respect what God has given them, that we are all in it together. It's about the kingdom of God. And I'm not competing with them, but I'm complimenting them. And we need to start recognizing each other's gifts in here and start, I know, seriously allowing you to come into using your gifts. And that's why I love this church because it allows you to become who God has called you to be. Maybe some of you have been just sitting there and wondering, what does God want me to be? I, and I was, I was in Houston and there at the Houston Rodeo. Man, I tell you, I have great respect for you cowboys around here, I tell you. No, serious, you know, it's, I have great respect for cowboys now. I had the privilege of being taken to the guys that ride the horses and the guys that ride, you know, the bulls. And I'm like, man, I want to become one of those guys. And I thought maybe, I mean, I could do that because I thought it was easy. 
And then they took me to the pit, where they call the pit. I didn't know there's a pit right there where they keep all the animals. So they said, man, Pastor, we want to take you down the pit. And they took me down to the pit. And man, I, I was coming down. The more that I started coming closer to the animals, the more my heart started pounding. Because those animals are mean. And I'm like, I don't know why we do this in the name of entertainment. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm, I, don't, I don't think I want to be part of this whole deal. And guess what? They had a sold out event on that day. People were standing to watch these guys ride these animals. And I was like, man, isn't it amazing that we have a few guys who are there in the arena riding these animals and wanting to get out of there. And then we have all these 80, I mean, there were, I think there must have been 85,000 people watching. And I'm like, the 85,000 people watching are they supposed to be the ones that are supposed to be inside. And this is what has happened to the church. We have only a few people that are in the arena and fighting all the demons and fighting all the problems of the church. And others are watching in the, you know, and just saying, man, you know, I wish they could do this. And you know, I wish they could do that. And I wish they could do that. No, come down. Leave the terraces and come down. And say, Lord, here I am, send me. I want to be part of the solution to the problems of Zimbabwe. Or to the problems of what's happening in our community. Instead of watching out there, we just need to come to that place of recognizing our gifts that God has given us. And that each and every one of us, we come and we start using our gifts to the edification of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we start having, I said, the first one was personal what? Realization. The second was what? Revelation. The third one was what? Responsibility. And the fourth one was what? Recognition. And then you start now going into what I want to call personal restoration. It's amazing how God starts restoring the joy. Restoring the love. Restoring the things that have been broken. He says, I'm bringing streams of water and I'm bringing revival into your life. And the Bible says, blessed is the man who is planted, you know, who is, who is, who is like a tree planted by the streams of water. And revival is coming. Refreshment is coming. And God is going to restore us. But we have to be planted at the center of what God is doing. You cannot be on your own out there. You need to come at the center of what God is doing. And then I found out that, you know, after personal revel, you know, uh, restoration, then there's personal revival. I, my life has been revived. I go and encourage myself, I tell you, when I get to Zimbabwe. <laughs> David did. When things were not going on well, Brother David started singing. And he started just rejoicing. And the wife started singing, Brother, not dressed he says you know what's going on he says no man i'm just singing before the lord don't don't care about you guys but i'm just going to he was having a personal revival in the midst of a crisis it doesn't matter whatever is going through in your pro in your family right now maybe god can use you to become the ripple of revival starts with you and then it's going to catch up with everybody maybe even in this community it might catch up with everybody I love what Pastor Alden said in the last, you know, the last service, which is the other hour. I'm going to add it to my notes. There's personal reward if we do what God wants us to do. He will reward those who diligently seek Him. Let me end with a story.
My mother was a single mom. She raised 12 kids by herself. She had seven kids of her own, seven children. I'm the fifth of those seven. So I'm in the middle. Nobody cared about me. They cared about the firstborn and the lastborn. <laughs> and I used to cause problems. And when I used to do problems, mom used to beat my bigger brother. I'm like, yeah, you got it today. Because my brother was supposed to take care of us. And sometimes they'll get my little baby sister because she was the youngest. But the middle guy, they don't even know where I was. When it came to time to eat, if you are not there, they're not going to save food for you. So it gave me the discipline to be there before everybody else. My father had left my mother. And my father's young brother died. So my uncle died and my aunt died. So my father being the firstborn in the family took care of his younger brother's children, the orphans. But when they came in Zimbabwe, in Africa, we don't have anything called cousins. They're all your brothers. So we grew up in the whole family, 12 of them, being raised by a single mother. My dad decided to leave us when I was five years old. And my dad went away. He never came back. I never saw him until I was married, until I had my own family. My mother was there to pray for us every morning. My mother would get us up every morning without fail, even up to today. She's now 93 years old, going 94. My mother still gets me up every morning to pray. And every morning as she praying, she never complained about my father. She prayed as if the man was there every day. She was not angry. She was not bitter. I never heard her say bad things about my father. Because I inherited my father's middle name. So I became mom's favorite son. Because of my dad's name. But mom every day in the morning in the afternoon and in the evening, prayed for my father. Mom struggled to put food on the table. The Lord was gracious to me. I came to the United States in 1985. I'd never seen my father. Even for my father to see the accomplishment in that I did, and my father was not there. My father sent a message and said that he was sick and that he wanted to talk to me. He heard that I was now a pastor. He thought America was just like next door. So anyway, I got my ticket, went back home, sat down with my father. I said, Dad, it better be good. Because, man, I flew long hours to kill me here. So I said, Dad, your story, it better be good. I don't know why you called me, but when I heard that you were looking for me, 
I came. My dad said, I heard that you are now a pastor, and I heard that you're preaching everywhere. And my dad says, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. So I had the joy of leading my father to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. I prayed with him. Then he said, son, I have another request that I would like you to help me with. He says, I want to go back to your mother. I'm like, dad, it's been 30 years that you've been away. So don't try to mess with me, okay? You know, we, let's talk about Jesus here and this is fine. Because 30 years ago, I was not there when you said you're leaving the house. So you better take your personal responsibility and go and tell that woman that you love her yourself. I think I caught myself in that process. Because I did not realize that I was still angry with my father. I wanted a father. So I gave him the suit that I bought from America. He didn't know it was coming from Goodwill, so it was good. Are we recording this? <laughs> Dressed him, took him to a barber shop, gave him a good cut, he looked good. I said, We're going to go and see the date. Took him in my car, drove. Went to see my mom. I had tipped my mom that I'm bringing someone very special. So you better be ready, girl, because this is something special, someone special. So my mom was dressed up. She looked good. And my dad came. My mom felt like a little girl who was falling in love for the first time again. My dad walks into the house. He goes and sits on the chair that he'd abandoned 30 years ago. As if everything was normal. And my dad sat in that chair. My mom went and activated the things that he used to do to my dad. Took his shoes off and puts them away. Goes and makes a cup of tea. And say, welcome home, daddy. So I said, excuse me, I'm going to leave so you guys can talk. So my dad says, no, you don't have to. I want you to hear, to be part of this conversation. Dad knelt down and said to my mom, will you marry me? I said, man, you're married already. <laughs> because my, not, my mom never filed for divorce and they never got divorced. So my dad knelt down. And guess what? I remarried my mom and dad. My mom sat down. 
prayed for them. And at that time, I was already wearing my prayer shower. I travel with my prayer shower wherever I go. Covered them in the prayer shower and prayed a blessing upon their lives. Dad moved in back home. People did not even know what had happened. Because mom forgave my dad. Maybe there's some here, someone here today. You have not yet released that person. It was not your responsibility or they did something to you. But I want to encourage you in the Lord. Just to come to Jesus. Let's just come and just give it to him. And let Jesus have his way. May you please close your eyes and let's pray together this morning. But I want to especially invite some, I don't know whatever you're going through, or I don't know whatever is going, if you're able, but if not, go ahead and sit down where you are. Just come to Jesus. Just come to the altar. And we want to pray with you and encourage you in the Lord. And let's just release it to the Lord right now this morning. Why don't you come? Come. Let's pray. kneel where you are let's just send it to the Lord and just you know just surrender it to the Lord